this is Sean Donovan, and you're listening to the guys at Send Central. <laughs> Nothing to see here, eh, folks? It's just been a gong show over here in the nation's capital. You know, under the circumstances, this was a tough one for Pierre Dorian and the Ottawa Senators. This is absolutely headed towards a rebuild. It is quite the scene in Ottawa. Wilson trying to throw a big hit there, but Ottawa moves in. Stone fires a shot. He scores! Psycho, Lipo to go, Michael. Kick big, Jackson, Tyson, Hoffman, game six. Oh my! What a shot from Mike Hoffman! One of the best sporting moments in Ottawa history. Mike Hoffman against the Pittsburgh Penguins. Game six at home. About eight minutes left in the game. Tied at one. And a magical shot. They still get goosebumps hearing that go off the post and in past Matt Murray. If they'd won game seven, that goes down as an iconic NHL moment. I'm Ross Levitan. It's episode 41 of Making Sense of the Sens. I'm alongside Chris Parliament. What's up? And Brandon Piller. What's up, guys? Brendan Purdy slept in after we all went to the Jays game last night, so no Prairie Fire. You can tweet him at Purge the Word and <laughs> give him as much flack as you would like to about he's that. He's sleeping off the nine snacks he had at the game last night. He must have spent like 150 bucks just on food. Oh, I, bu- I believe that. And then he said he was buying, I think, two packs of cigarettes on his way home. So yeah. uh, I'm That's sure- like Purdy, Purdy fuel. Well, it, it, yeah, the pair of that. So he texts me at 6 a.m. We're recording right now. It's 9.30 on Wednesday, June 20th. We're two days away from the NHL draft. But yeah, he texted me at 6 a.m. You up. Uh, called him back. I was like, uh, I wanted to say we're meeting at 8. Nothing. So anyways, uh, Brandon Purdy's not here. Jeremy Hewson has to work as well, so he won't be with us. We've got lots to get to, though. Um, of course, Mike Hoffman was traded not once, but twice. So we'll compare the trades, see who came out on top. Hint, hint, it's Doug Wilson. Uh, we'll break down the returning players, talk what's next. Is this a full-blown rebuild? You heard Ian Mendez in our intro mention that. And we'll touch on the draft, but if you want some in-depth draft coverage from us at Send Central, tune in to episode 40. We break down who we want the Sens to take at 4 and 22, and let's start there. There's been a lot of chatter in the last few days of Ottawa just handing this pick to the Colorado Avalanche, and it's a joke, I hope. Ross, nothing really gets me more upset or grinds my gears than when people are suggesting that it would be smart for the Ottawa Senators to give up number four. I just, there's no arguments that have been valid enough that I've heard from people who have that opinion that make me even consider, even consider doing it. And this isn't some hot take. Like, there's prominent reporters. Elliot Friedman, notably, he I think he started stirring, really stirring the pot. And Darren Dreger's been stirring the pot on this Ottawa thing for since the <laughs> trade deadline, really. Yeah, like, there's notable reporters suggesting that this is the best move. And we we talked about this off air, Ross. The thing that grinds my gears the most is if it was if it was maybe pick six, seven, or eight, then then I would yeah. actually seriously consider giving it up. May even five, maybe, probably not, but maybe. But four, it makes no sense because you're banking on 
finishing dead last next year. You're hoping. You're hoping. Yeah, you're you're hoping that you finish dead last. And then even if you do finish dead last, you still could end up picking number fourth. You have uh, an 82 percent chance or something like that of not getting first overall, even if you're the worst team. So banking your entire franchise's future on an 18 percent chance to get Hughes is ridiculous. Yeah, I mean. Uh- Obviously, you look at this situation and you think this year you're in the running for a lotto pick, so you're going to be right back in the same spot next year. A, then wave goodbye to Eric Carlson if you're going to send that message right now. And I don't really think a wave goodbye to competitiveness. Eric, exactly, but nobody's going to want to play for you. Yeah, but wave bye to Eric Carlson and a fourth for potentially a fourth. So I mean, it doesn't really make any sense at all. I mean, Jack Hughes is unbelievable. You watch that, and he's a franchise altering player at number one. No one's disputing that. Yeah. yeah. But you don't know if you get him, so why worry about it? And look, the Sens finished second last this year and got bumped down to fourth. Like, it's very, very possible and likely that they will get bumped down. And a fourth overall pick, that's incredible. Like, there's only three picks better. Like, you can't... And in a deep draft as well, you're getting high-end talent this year. And you, this thing can be fixed, I think. Rather quickly. Ottawa had two first-round picks. The jury's still out on Colin White, but Thomas Shabbat, by all accounts, looks like he will be a top-two defenseman in the NHL. Don't want to put too much pressure on him, but you had two first-rounders there. Then you have a 10th overall or 11th overall pick in Logan Brown the following year. Then, of course, you moved Shane Bowers last year, but it looks like you hit two gems in the second and fourth round with Drake Batherson and Alex Formanton reversed, of course, Formanton being the second rounder. And now you have an opportunity for two more first round picks. How do you not take that and then have your core be those guys coming up in the same age group with veterans like Mark Stone, Matt Duchesne, Eric Carlson? Doesn't make sense to, to not do that. And you're just extending it. And what if, like Brandon said, you get fourth overall you're drafting the same spot, and that player is just a year younger, a year further away from contributing for your team. And it, you don't have to look far this year. I don't want to go too far off the beaten path here, but you look at the Winnipeg Jets, and the reason that they're so good now and they have so much depth is they just continued to hit home runs in the first round. The first round, if you get a couple good picks, you're going to turn this thing around. And Definitely. You saw it from the Winnipeg Jets this year. Mark Shifley, Nikolai Ehlers. Connor. Connor, yeah. There's so many good players. Jacob Truba really kind of stepped into his own. You have to have talented pieces around him. And I think that the Ottawa has that for the future now. You have a couple guys that are older. Now if you bring in two to, let's say, a right shot defenseman and a forward. Yep. And they're able to contribute top six minutes on forward and top four minutes on defense. Soon, if you have quality players in those positions, you're going to be a quality hockey team. Yeah, oh, f- absolutely. And in the crease, it looks like it's probably going to be a year or two before we see Philip Gustafson as an en- everyday NHL starter. And I'm all right with that. But it's episode 41, the Craig Anderson episode. So let's ask the question. Of course, he had a bad year this year. What's the likelihood that Craig Anderson comes back to maybe not as dominant as we've seen him before? but bounce back to, let's say, a 9.15 save percentage. Well, you heard Darren Drager say off the top of the show in our intro there that Pierre Dorian's in a tough spot. Craig Anderson's in a tough spot because if you're going to go out and compete and try and resurrect your career this late, not resurrect, that's tough. But It's kind of been on and get off again for a while. Yeah, have a big comeback season, though. 
and reach. You don't have to get to the height because there was so much emotion last season. This year, it was kind of the let off. It almost seemed like the hangover to last season. Like he was able to play through so much that it finally hit him this year. But next year, you got to come out and to have that drive, you got to be competitive. And if there isn't a good competitive force keeping this guy going every day, if practices aren't going hard all the time, I think you're, you might lose him as a player. So I don't, I don't know if you will have a big comeback year, but it's going to take something in this team to bring him back because, like Pyridorion, he's in a tough spot right now. Craig Anderson had a save percentage of eight ninety eight this past season in fifty eight games. The eleventh. 15, the 16 year veteran. Okay. The last time he had a save percentage sub 900 was in the 05 06 season after the lockout when goals just skyrocketed. Every yeah. goal he had a down year. And that was with a bad Blackhawks team. Exactly. And that was when the pads got shrunk over that lockout. Yeah. All the goalies were adjusting to the new rules. Most players were going 100 miles an hour on the ice <laughs> compared to being hooked six times in the neutral zone. Yeah, so that year he played 29 games and had an 886. And I just can't see it getting any worse. Here, here's the thing, Ross. I, I kind of agree with uh, what you said off the top about Anderson. And it's similar to the center situation. Like, I think it's it's a fair um, judgment to say the Ottawa Senators weren't as good as as they were when they made it all the way to the Eastern Conference Finals, Game 7, double overtime. And they're definitely not as bad as they were last year. They're somewhere in the middle. And a big part of that was Craig Anderson. Like you said, the year before last year, he had a 2.28 goals against average. That's bumped up a full goal per game at 3.32. Wow. So if you can just get average numbers, like Ross said, maybe somewhere around a 250 goals against average, maybe a, a 9, 9.05, 9.10 save percentage, that's really going to do a lot of good for this team. And I think, frankly, he can do that. He's not going to be a great goalie anymore, but I'm sure he can be an average goalie next year. I would, yeah, for sure. There's no, the ceiling is definitely shrinking, but the f- the floor is still at a good spot where he can be a good NHL goaltender. Uh, but this year, when it comes to on ice production, I'm, I think we're all kind of bracing ourselves for another tough one. But if this year doesn't go well in the crease for Ottawa, but Marcus Hogberg and Philip Gustafson have good years in Belleville, I'm all right with it. Yeah, the future has yeah, to start same. at some point. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. And Mike Condon was kind of privy to some bad luck, some bad decisions. But I believe that the, he had one of the lowest goal supports in the NHL. And th- that I would believe because every game Condon was in the net, it was like it was like the Sens just shut off. Like, oh man, we're gonna lose this one anyways. Just, <laughs> and I feel like there's always just that one play late where they just got like a good jump off the boards and we're off on like a three on one. Every yeah. time Conan was in net, like ten minutes left in the third. Seriously, yeah. Well, I don't want to get too too far off the off where we're, we're trying to go here, but uh, there's that one picture. It was we used it for one of our podcast episodes. It was the game against Arizona. Uh, that, as soon as I you said Conan, it flashed in my Duclair, head. right? Yeah. yeah. And it, I believe it was in overtime, but they scored two bad Twice. goals. During yeah, the game. one of them was in overtime, yeah. and then it was almost the same play earlier oh, in the game. Yeah. Like, gross. Anyways, we're talking about Craig Anderson because it's episode <laughs> forty-one. He's had a few unbelievable moments. We, we talked about the emotional um, aspect of last season, but what for you guys is 
Craig Anderson's best season with the Ottawa Senators. Uh, I'm going to start things off at the beginning, Ross. When he came yeah. over he from Colorado. Yeah. <laughs> he ruined the tank. He ruined the Remember, we wanted Landis Cog. Pillar. <laughs> yeah. No, 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 no. That's, that's all true. But as a, as a former tendie, there's nothing better than when you're expected to suck and you do really, really nice. well. Yeah. And that's what Anderson did. He, like... When he's coming to a new team, I forget if he... Have- he had a sub-900 save percentage with Colorado that year and then pumped it up with Ottawa enough to get way, way over it. He ended up uh, finishing off at a 913 that season. Yeah, like, he just... He turned things around so much. I don't know if he was in a contract year or what, but Anderson's coming over he in was. a trade. Yeah, okay. He doesn't care that the Ottawa Senators are rebuilding. He's trying to boost his value for his next contract. Don't he, let him get hot. And he did that. So that I think that that's my favorite Craig Anderson moments because that he was almost it was like a hamburglar run. Like it was wild. Yeah. Well, he had a, a basically hamburglar. He had a basically a full season hamburglar run the year of the lockout when everyone came back. I believe it was a forty eight game season. Craig Anderson played twenty four games that year and had a nine forty one save. Percentage. I forgot about that. That's insane. That was absurd. Yeah. And that was the year of like the pesky sends. You know, they would yeah. always come back late in games. Yeah. You think Eric Condra was definitely a big part of that team. Uh, Colin Greening as well. Craig Anderson had a 169 goals against average that year. He was just lights out. Um, I believe he missed half the games. I think that was the year where he, he had cut his yeah, hands. Frozen yeah. chicken. A, a chicken incident. Hey, that's yeah. no joke. I well, know a guy that did that. Yeah. Well, then Ben Bishop stepped up that year with Robin Liner. They really took care. Uh, of the crease. One of Leonard's uh, French Bulldog buddy friends, uh, Mike Hoffman, just got sent packing. And unlike Leonard, he wasn't traded in the division. Frank Saravelli reported that Dorian was under instructions not to trade within the division. Uh, I'm going to ask what you guys think about that. But first, uh, it should be noted that this isn't a report. Dale Talon said Dorian called him last week, but he wanted player, not pick. So where do you stand, A, on trading within your division, and B, at what point, or what would you have preferred in terms of players or picks? Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna start with A, and I'll try to keep it short and sweet because the second part of your question is what I what I really want to get into. But first, the notion of not trading within your division, I think, is is crazy. Unless there's only one scenario where I would deem it acceptable, and that's if let's say Tampa was looking at a deal with Toronto, like two top contending teams. Like, yeah, not neither of those teams are desperate. So if you could, What's the point? you would thing? rather not trade it within the division. That's fine. I understand that. This, however, is not like that situation at all. Dorian, I don't know. I guess Melnick, if that's what's being reported, said he can't trade within the division. You need to understand that you are at a desperate time in this franchise. I don't care at all all what other teams are getting in return or where your players are going all i care about is what the ottawa senators get in return you have to get the best return possible because it's not like the senators are really going to be that uh affected by hoffman playing four games against them with the florida panthers how does that change how does that change their season not at all so that the whole notion of not trading within your division i think is a joke it's ridiculous uh, ottawa's done it a few times even 
fairly recently. They traded Robin Leonard to the Buffalo Sabres in turn in turn for twenty first overall. Ended up being Colin White, and of Big course trade with the Leafs. Yeah, the Colin uh, Colin White, the uh, Colin Greening trade. If I want to stick with Colin, but uh, really the Dion Phaneuf trade for. Uh, Milan McCulloch, among others, lots of uh, broken parts in there, including Coney Donaghy, who was a part of that trade and also a part of the first Hoffman trade. Let's start getting into that. Uh, it was Mike Hoffman and Cody Donaghy and a fifth round pick. Yeah, let that sink in. Dorian had to give up a higher pick. He got back a <laughs> sixth round pick. These picks are for 2020. So um, in two years, remind me that that swap happened. Uh, also coming back to Ottawa, Julius Bergman. What a name, Julius. Don't know any Juliuses. He's probably pretty smart. There's Orange Julius with yeah. DQ. Yeah. Yeah. All right, I prefer DQ anyways. But um, and then milkshakes at both so Mc- game for whatever. Mikael Bodker's an interesting guy though because the guy he's torched Ottawa in the past. Eight goals in eleven career games against the Sens, including get this, two hat tricks in two games in one season when he was playing for the Arizona Coyotes. Now, before I get your thoughts, I want to throw you this one stat as well. In the 2015-16 season, Mikel Bodker was traded from the Arizona Coyotes to the Colorado Avalanche at the deadline. He played on the wing with Matthew Shane and had 12 points in 18 games. So uh, you got to think that maybe there was so much talk about Hoffman-Duchesne chemistry. So, hey, maybe uh, having a, a familiar face will bode well. Another note on Bodker as well. He grew up playing for Frölunda, as did Bergman, but... Bodker missed playing with Carlson by one year. Ottawa certainly has had their luck coming from that system. You talk about Daniel Alfredson, Eric Carlson as well. I like this because I think you needed to get pick or sorry players back in this deal. Uh, if you go for picks, I mean, you need to ice team next year, and we already talked about it. You you don't have your first. You need to compete. And if if he has Duchesne, if he's on his line and there's some chemistry there, I like it. I mean, you look. In Pittsburgh, sometimes Sidney Crosby isn't playing with the best players, but if there's connection there and he's able to keep up with his feet, he's able to think the game the same way as Matt, I think that that'll add something that you really need because I think something that I thought of was the worst part of having to deal Hoffman was the late season chemistry that he and Duchesne had. It looked like we had a legitimate one-two punch on the top line. So if you're going to go out, you might as well get somebody that has experience playing with Duchesne. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think I and again, this is another point where I just can't see the other side of the argument. The sense fans on Twitter that are saying, "Oh, wow, Dorian got fleeced because look at the deal that uh San Jose got when they flipped Hoffman." If I'm the Senators, I don't want that deal at all. I don't I don't understand the the thought process behind it. A second, a fourth, and a fifth First of all, that second pick isn't until 2019. So that does you no good next season, which is which is the goal right now. Um, Basically, I would say the Senators franchise top priority right now is to appease to Carlson and try to convince him that re-signing here is the right decision. So getting a second round pick for next year's draft and a fourth and a fifth to, using that to try to replace a 30 goal scorer is is just ludicrous. Like I don't understand the thought process behind it. I'm and I want to make this clear. I don't think any of us are of, of the mindset that the Senators won this trade. They definitely did not get top value for Hoffman. 
but that's because of the situation and Hoffman had to go. So it's okay. And I really like what Ross was saying about Bodker playing with Duchesne because mm-hmm. that's another guy that you have to convince to re-sign. You have to convince him, we're going to be contenders. We're trying to keep this team together. And we're building around you now too. Ex- exactly. Yeah. yeah. Like, like Ross said, that Bodker connection is really interesting. And Look, I'm not some I'm not some Bodker fanboy, but I I do think if he can put up 15 goals, 25 assists, yeah, dude, I think he will. He's fine. an NHLer. Yeah, if he can hit 40 points at four million, that's not bad at all, and I'd be willing I'd be willing to take that. And uh, this is a guy that I think we, you know we kind of talk about uh, Guy Boucher's toys a little bit, and he likes to play the guys that can play in every aspect of the game. Well, this is a penalty killer that can actually like add a little. You know what I mean? Like a little offensive flair on the PK, so I'm all, I'm all for it. And he's stepped up his uh, power play uh, yeah. play as well. I think maybe just a little more confidence from Pete DeBoer uh, the last season in San Jose. But Yeah, he's been kind of buried over there, so we'll see he, what he we was. get. He was, yeah, he yeah. was, but he got some light shed on him and produced a little. Yeah. It would be nice to hear from Pierre Dorian through audio, but they did release a statement. Nobody's really spoken out of the Sens organization. Yeah, it all kind of seems behind Man, closed doors. Man, I can't, I can't blame Dorian for not wanting to talk. The amount of stuff that he has to... Honestly, uh, though, at this point, you just got to step up and, like, take it in the chin and be like, look, I'm not fully... I wasn't involved in either of these. It looks bad if everyone knew about the Hoffman ordeal, but, like, for him to step up and just say, look, I'm handling it to the best of my abilities. We're moving on. If you just came out and said that at the beginning... I would have been fine with it and just said, you know what, Pierre, you didn't know about it. Here's so what, let's move on. Here's yeah. what uh, Pierre Dorian released through the team. Um, Mikel Bodker is a competitive, versatile two-way forward who can play both wings, has a track record of playing his best hockey in the most important games, including the playoffs and internationally with Denmark. <laughs> I don't know why he includes internationally. How does that, <laughs> yeah, he, <laughs> how does that hey, help the sense? I'm pretty sure he's a World Cup champion with Team Europe, so... yeah. Put some respect on that name. Uh, Real World Cup, by the way, not the soccer one that's going on right now. Wow. Whatever that is. His skill set, in particular his speed, along with his veteran leadership, fits our vision for the team. Now, that's a second paragraph, but this is where it gets more interesting. A little meatier to this one. Today's trade showcases our determination to strengthen the future of this team by improving chemistry, leadership, and character in the locker room and on the ice. We're confident it is a step in the right direction for the long-term success of this organization. Is that a shot on the way out of Mike Hoffman or just calling it like it is? Because I think everyone agreed, including Mike Hoffman's agent, that he had to go. I I don't think it's a shot, Ross. I think think it's what Chris is saying. It's literally just calling it like it is. Like, look, here's the situation. We all know it. Yeah, I tried to do what I can with it. And man, you know what? Dorian... He, we like we like to poke fun at him, and there's countless of hilarious Google images of just him doing funny faces. But this guy has put up with a lot of garbage. Like yeah. if you look at what he's dealing with, I actually think Dorian's done a serviceable job, and I'm not too upset with uh, most most things that he's done. So you know what? I think everyone needs to lay off Dorian a little because. Man, when you're heading into the most important draft in franchise history and you're dealing with your assistant general manager uh, in court cases and stuff like that, it's just crazy. So just keep trucking, Pierre. I just want to get back to the original question here of (laughs) if I would have had picks, rather taken picks or players. And going off what you said, Pillar, about it doesn't make sense for the Sens to go after these picks. The reason that I was doing a little work yesterday at uh, NHL Network and uh, not a big deal. The 
reason that San Jose went out and got these picks in this year's draft, this is how many picks they have. 21st, 114th, 123rd, 139th, 145th, 176th. That's five picks after the first round starts. That's nuts how many players and assets they're going to have for the future. And for so long, we talked about this team being in transition. They're stockpiling for the future. And that team wanted to clear cap space. They Mm -hmm. cleared Bodker's contract nicely. And that's a... Like, I don't think there's many good prospects in San Jose. Like, that prospect pool is I don't know, that Kevin LeBanc weak. kid stepped up. Well, all their prospects, all are, their prospects playing. are playing. Yeah, That's exactly. what I'm saying. Like, the pool. Timo Meyer. Yeah. The, the pool is... Even Thomas Hurdle's really young. Pretty pretty depleted at this I'm gonna point. Say, I'm going to say it now. Logan Couture's putting him 90 points this year. <laughs> what, playing in between Kane and Hoffman? Yep. Hoffman's in Florida. Right. Thanks. Jesus. He's playing with Kane, but I don't know who will be on his wing. Not Mike Hoffman. Yeah, those double Confirmed. trades are way too confusing. <laughs> they really are. But let's get back to what's coming into Ottawa. We got we talked about Bodker, but uh, Julius Bergman, I guess, will replace Parley's fan favorite, Vilipoka, who will be in Russia. Now, uh, Bergman, uh, Sense Prospects, did a nice video really quick, too. So props, Sense Prospects. Yeah, he's on the ball. He, mm-hmm. he absolutely is. But looks like... a. A right-hand shot, we know that. Ten goals last year, minus 20. Do you see the picture that the Belleville Sens posted of him? Those orange jerseys, are yeah. they might be the ugliest things ever. The San Jose Barracudas jerseys. Go on Twitter, look it up. Uh, we'll retweet it, so follow at Sens Central, and uh, we'll, you'll definitely take a look at that. And you might want to put on some sunglasses before you look at them. It's, it's kind of gross. But I do like the idea. I like when the... I'm getting way off here, but when the farm team has like a smaller version of, I of, love it. Yeah. Of what the other team is, look at those jerseys. Yeah, good radio. No, I'm I'm with you though. I I do like that. So it's the San Jose Sharks and then the San Jose Barracuda. I like. Uh, anyways, I digress. Um, we talked about Dorian being judged whether it's fairly or unfairly on a tough situation here, but ultimately he's going to be judged on the handling of Eric Carlson. That's point blank. How it's going to be. It's his defining moment. Bruce Garriock just put out a column. Is a move involving Eric Carlson next for the Ottawa Senators? He mentions teams that showed interest at the draft or at the trade deadline. And it's the first time that I've seen the Carolina Hurricanes name as mentioned in this. Aren't they it's, trying to get rid of right-hand yeah. shot defensemen? The <laughs> Vegas Golden Knights, Tampa Bay Lightning, Carolina Hurricanes, and Washington Capitals have displayed varying degrees of interest when the Senators were weighing offers the in The Capitals February. as well? Hmm. What does that conversation in Washington start with? Yakov Verona? Yeah, it has to. And but also, how like, do they have the money? They have so to clear a lot of money to do that. Well, John Carlson's a free agent. Yeah. So is Tom Wilson. Yeah, but they're probably going to re-sign at least one of those guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but how at much least does Tom one. Wilson get? Not a lot. Yeah, probably three, four. Yeah, Yeah, he probably goes, I think, more for term. But um, in terms of Carlson, I, I'm still the of the thought that especially bringing back Bodker instead of the picks, you want to be at least competitive. Mm-hmm. And to do that, you need Eric Carlson in the fold. But let's let's talk hypothetical a little bit because we've kind of covered this to death since the thing started in February. What is your breaking down point where you're like, you know what? Like Pierre Maguire was on, on um, TSN 1200 doing his daily hit yesterday, and he said... That when you create a marketplace like the Sens have done, 
it just takes one one GM to say, screw it, I'm going all in, like to take it to that other level where you can't say no. So, <coughs> sorry, I'm asking a lot of double barrel questions today, but A, how many pieces would it take for you to trade Eric Carlson? And what kind of players? I need two players that will be effective in the lineup day in, day out. I need a player for the player, sorry, two prospects that are going to hit within the next two years and a first. And that sounds like a lot. Should but be. when you come to Ottawa and say, this is what I'm offering Eric Carlson, you reply with, oh, so this is what you're offering for the best defenseman on the planet. Set the precedent that you're not at all going to waver from the fact that you have the big chip in this poker game and you need to play it at the right time. And it's going to take somebody else to go all in. Nailed the poker pun, but it's going to take somebody going all in for you to get Eric Carlson so from the st- Ottawa Center. Sticking with the the poker, and we've heard these puns all year, but it makes me think of the Vegas Golden Knights right away. Uh, nice. Rumor was that Cody Glass was a piece that they wouldn't part with. The Senators' initial ask, I I think it was Freeman, somebody who I trust, tweeted that Shea Theodore was a part of the ask. So. Let's say you're building a trade around Shea Theodore. What else would you need from Vegas? You mentioned two players to help right away. So my mind goes to Alex Tuck. I mm-hmm. think he would have to be included in that trade. And he could almost be seen. Boston College alum, too. Former teammates with Colin White. There you go. As the pro, I could see him being included and saying, No, he's he one of my two out. effective players. So you Stay still need yes. two. So Brandstrom and Suzuki. All in, baby. Brandstrom and Suzuki, yes. if they say no glass, and a first. Is that with taking Bobby? Um, I mean, that first can definitely waver. To a second? To a second, if they take Bobby's contract. Or I'll even take a lesser prospect. Take out one of the take out one of the prospects and give me a first and take Bobby. We could get Dylan Ferguson, who, I wow. mean, he, a goalie prospect. But the only reason I say that is because he was the seventh rounder as well as the second that... Uh, Vegas ended up getting for Mark Mathod. I'm still sour about that. I'm, so, I, every day I think about what this year would have been like with Mark Mathod. Yeah, I'm, well, he was injured. All, for all quite the a leadership bit. that was lost, and then you think about how the dressing room was. You think guys who weren't in that dressing room that were during the run: Clark MacArthur, Mark Mathod, and I mean to an extent Dion Phaneuf. I know he was here at the start of the season, but um, just losing that leadership in the locker room, it, it's. It, you can't explain in, in a team sport how, mu- how much that translates into affecting on the ice. And that's another reason why the Sens have to keep this fourth overall pick. That's hope. You can sell hope to a fan base, especially one that's been told there's a rebuild. What you can't do is show face around your players who you expect to put their, their ass on the line for you every night next year. When you're literally telling them that we think that we're going to be dead last next year. Or that we think it's favorable if we're dead last. Yeah, Yeah, you're looking your team in the eyes and saying you're not good enough for us to be worth taking fourth overall. One and two are a lock in this trail. We said we weren't going to get into some draft talk, but... We got some time. Let's talk draft. And it's I read somewhere that scouts are now starting to believe that Svechnikov is closer to Darlene than the rest of the field yeah. is to Svechnikov. So one and two are separated. That means the Senators are going to be able to draft one of Philip Zadina or Brady Kachuk 
or if they want a defenseman, Adam Bockfist is sitting right there as well as um, the the one I want to stay away from is Noah Dobson. I, I there's just something about playing in the queue. I know Thomas Chabot yeah. did. He did he did a great job. Same with Samuel Gerrard, but. Just Thomas Chabot was skating circles around everybody, though. Yeah, yeah. that he owned that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then I mean, there's a couple other Evan Bouchard, of course. Yeah. His, his name's been thrown out there, and Quinn Hughes was the one who's uh, mm-hmm. who's been escaping my mind. Um, the reason I I don't want Quinn Hughes is that if the Sens do suck next year, oh, we could have had his brother, Jack Hughes, supposed to go first overall and next he's year. Nasty. Yeah, but no, you cannot do that. I think in a perfect world, of course, you draft Philip Zadina. Yeah. He's your left shot. Left wing. Oh, we just lost one of those. Whoa, good timing then. And interesting note too, it seemed as though Aaron Eric Engels, I think, covers uh, the Habs for Sportsnet. Mm-hmm. He said that um, he believes it used to be like, oh, it's a mirage. They're going to take Sedina. Now he's convinced it's caught Kanyemi at three. Yeah. yeah. But just tweeted out this morning. We're basically just talking Twitter. It's hilarious. I love it. Um, they took Brady Kachuk out for dinner last night. So, wow, have, have things not maybe been decided? But I haven't heard any Zadina Montreal yeah, I, connection. I'm very convinced that Zadina will will be there when the Sens go up for number four. Uh, one of our top listeners, one of my buddies, Max, uh, out in Halifax, he said Shout that out. if if Halifax Moosehead Philip Zadina is on the board and the Sens pass. He will buy a Travis Konechny Flyers jersey. And wow. you might think, what is the connection? Max was so mad when the Sens took Colin White over Travis Konechny. Me too. And Tra- we all know how good Konechny's looked in Philadelphia. 24 goals this year and 23 assists. Yeah. In 79 games. I was looking at the stats yesterday. I don't know what I was showing you. Yeah. Former captain of the Ottawa 67s. Passed on. By the hometown. Actually, not hometown. He is a Toronto boy, but grew up uh, playing for the 67s. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyways, that's actually a good time to tease what we're going to do. Uh, we're going to record it just after this, but we're going to release it the morning of the draft. Just talking. We're going to do each draft singular, but we've decided we're going to just talk all the biggest moments in Ottawa Senators draft history. And I'll give you a hint. We're going to start with 2001, which was the last time the Ottawa Senators drafted in the top five. So look for that on the morning of the draft. We're going to record it today, so it will be out guaranteed overnight on Thursday. Looking forward to it. It'll be something to get you through the day. You know, draft day, you get the jitters going. I'm going to stay busy. I'm uh, done day five of five at TSN and then going to call my first uh, hockey play-by-play but uh, at a tournament this weekend. But uh, booked off the Friday night to get the draft. Humble so, brag. Well, you can follow at Sense Central for live draft updates, or you can follow... Uh, where are you going to be tweeting from, Chris? The NHL Network Radio. I actually won't be tweeting that night. I'll be cutting clips, but I'll be near the machines that will be tweeting them. So. A couple followers on that account, eh? Yeah, upwards of 34,000. Uh, Pretty don't, good. You don't really want to be like that account because they don't follow at Sense Central. Not sure why, but uh, I mean, they only follow a thousand other accounts, but I guess... Um, we don't know enough people with enough pull there. You're absolutely <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, Pilsy, where are you going to be watching the draft? 
TSN. I'll probably be clipping parts of it in the newsroom, so I'm pretty stoked for that. And if the Senators draft Sedina and you're watching SportsCenter, <laughs> in the back when you see the newsroom, uh, Pillar's going to be the guy whose head is stuck in the ceiling because he <laughs> jumped so high. <laughs> Looking at that. Anything else you boys want to add here? I got a little inside information on the draft this year. Woo-hoo. Drink your coffee on Friday. This one might go late. I'm hearing first pick won't happen till about 7.45. Why? And apparently... It's in Dallas. Apparently... Again, inside information. Sirius XM, NHL Network, they're there. They're setting up yesterday. Apparently the seats where the draftees will be sitting is pretty far away from the stage. So we might have a long, long foot That is the biggest saber metrics of all time. That is some pretty good. Oh, also, that sounds ridiculous, but that actually is super annoying. Oh yeah, like, <laughs> they should get the bullpen carts out. And so, <laughs> so, like so my insider was yeah. saying that maybe they'll be given like you only get to like hug and kiss ten people, like Ooh. that's your limit. And then I was like, what are they going to take away their signing bonus if they like no, take too long three. to get to the stage? You you really got to figure out your your hug and kiss list, yeah. especially if you get snubbed. Like let's say you're like a brother or sister, the other brother gets some airtime with. Yo, the hug and they, you don't they start playing the music <laughs> like your your acceptance speech is over like go get your jersey on kid <laughs> we're kind of tired let's of you. let's say that you only get three so you gotta think mom and dad yeah thank you for all your sacrifices early mornings at the rink and then who's your third what if you've got your girlfriend there and your sibling you gotta go girlfriend or else your girlfriend's just, you're, come and go yeah but you're gonna hear it way too much it's it's worth it for your sanity to but go what about girlfriend. the picture if let's say you break up six months later when you're in the show bud who cares at that point <laughs> but then your brother your brother's like man oh true <laughs> i guess that's fair they might care we're losing lights in yeah the boys. lights just went out so i was like man i really <laughs> hope the computer didn't turn off and none of this recorded Anyways, thanks for listening. <laughs> no, uh, we'll give a proper goodbye. As I mentioned, we're going to be recording another one just after here. But the draft is 48 hours away. What do you got, Chris? I just want to say happy home uh, release date. They were released. Today is the day they're going to release all of the first home games or opening nights of the season. And you can be sure. Yeah, I tweeted it yesterday. A follow at Parliament Post for all these hot saber metrics. I bet $1,000 Sens are hosting Florida night one because this season just already leaves a bad taste in your mouth and it hasn't even started yet. So, so hopefully I'm lining my pockets with green backs. We will end on a high note. Ten years ago, today, at the Canadian Tire Center, the Ottawa Senators select with the 15th overall selection in the 2008 NHL entry draft. Eric Carlson from Forlunda, Sweden. Anyways, we'll talk soon. For Send Central, I'm Ross Levitan, along with Chris Parliament and Brandon Piller. Go Sends, go. Hopefully next time you hear us, Zadina is about to become an Ottawa senator. You can go, go.